I think writer's block is just a form of fear. If you say to yourself, I've always dreamed of being a writer, and that's what your comfort zone is, dreaming of being a writer, you can only keep dreaming about it as long as you never finish writing anything. I'm Dave Buddha, and this is Darken the Page, the podcast about writing and the creative process. Today's guest is Michael Haig. Michael is a screenwriting coach and has worked with screenwriters, producers, stars, and directors on projects for every major studio and network. He's also the best-selling author of Selling Your Story in 60 Seconds, as well as the new 20th anniversary edition of his classic book, Writing Screenplays That Sell. I was really excited to talk to Michael because he's the first screenwriter we've had on the show, and it was fun to see some of the similarities and differences that screenwriters go through versus book writers. Today's episode is sponsored by Stride Health. You want to know something awesome about Stride Health? They save people on average $400 a year. So what happened after two years of Obamacare is they saw that on average, people weren't picking the right health plans, and the fine print was making it hard to understand everything they needed to know. So what they did was Stride Health read all the books and they streamlined the process and best of all, the service is totally free. So if you need health insurance, and especially if you're a self-employed freelancing guy like me, go to stridehealth.com and sign up for the November 1st open enrollment period. And now here's my conversation with master storyteller, Michael Haig. What is your own uh, practice like in terms of um, your own creative output? And, and clearly a lot of time is spent helping other people. But, um, you know, where, how has that progressed over the years? And, and do you, do, are you able to take time for yourself and to write your own type of stuff? Um, and what's that like? Um, it's probably like it is for most writers. Uh, easy to procrastinate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I and in my experience, the hardest part is getting from wherever you are to the computer to actually start writing. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is it's very difficult, uh, at least for me, I found this, to do my own writing, like when I wrote my two books or, or even doing the, the articles I do for my website or blogs for other people or any kind of writing um, it's always a lot easier to put everybody else's demands on you first. Mm-hmm. And so even if you put it in, even if I put it in my schedule and so on, it's just much easier to say, well, the deadline that this person has given me for giving them the article or the publisher has given me or, or the client has given me if I'm doing uh, a critique or a coaching session, that always takes priority over something that's self-directed, mm-hmm. like a book that has no deadline or an article that can be done tomorrow as easily as today. Mm-hmm. Once I actually am sitting down and writing, then all that seems to sort of go away, and I actually enjoy it, but I forget all that the next time it rolls mm-hmm. And again, we're back to, well, I got to give this uh, priority to somebody else. Mm-hmm. So I'm not, I'm not good. I can help other people 
who are blocked or who feel stuck or who feel like they're in an avoidance mode, but I'm not able or I've never been hard enough to apply that to myself fully. So mm -hmm. that's, uh, that's been a tough thing. As an example, my first book, Writing Screenplays That Sell, it, it was five years from the time I started working on that until it was published. Mm -hmm. And when I wrote my second book, Selling Your Story in 60 Seconds, it was four months. And that was a deadline I said to the publisher, we've got to get this done by spring. And I was so busy in the fall that I didn't have any time. So I wrote it between January and the end of March or the end of April, something like that, of that year, just because it needed to get done. And I had a deadline that I had imposed on myself, but the publisher had gone along with, so they were expecting it. Mm -hmm. I don't think it was because it was my second book and the other one was my first. Mm -hmm. I think it was because I had committed to somebody else to have it done by then. And with the first book, I hadn't gone out with it to try and get an agent or anything. I was just doing it on my own time. Yeah. Well, that sounds like a much more pleasant experience doing it in four months than five years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because, I, I mean, the thing is, the, the first book was longer. But I usually describe it as a book that took five years. That was six months of writing and four and a half years of procrastination. Mm -hmm. because, and, and then you've got this sort of monkey on your back and that's no good and so on. But it's like, you know, it's like become childish you know or i do and mm -hmm. it's just not it's just a matter of being disciplined enough you know to do it yeah 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 we had a, a guest on the show that she does something really interesting she she has authors write a book in three days and so she rents like a nice house and then has maybe five or six different um people who want to write a book and these are people that already have the book kind of worked out in their head essentially not necessarily like a fiction writer Maybe, maybe like, for example, a life coach who had some ideas about things and they want to write it down. And so, um, and she does it in three days. And she, and that's it, what you said is similar to what she says, which is like, once you actually look at the time spent writing, it's not that much, <laughs> you know, like maybe 20 hours if you write a thousand words a minute or a thousand words at um, an hour. And, and then that's actually staggeringly low, you know, but then we take, you know, years to do it sometimes. So, Sure. It's uh, it's all just either it's it it all grows out of fear of a certain kind I believe I think writer's block is just a form of fear it's either fear of putting yourself first fear that you're going to uh, that it won't be good enough uh, sometimes it's I think a variation on that and that is if if you say to yourself I've always dreamed of being a writer and that's what your comfort zone is dreaming of being a writer, you can only keep dreaming about it as long as you never finish writing anything. Mm -hmm. because, because then you either are or you're not. I mean, then you are a writer and you have to face that. And then, you know, what's that going to mean? Now, these are conscious thoughts. This is all the way our subconscious works on us to prevent mm -hmm. us from feeling anxious or, or changing in any way. It's yeah. when I lecture about stories, it's what I call our identity, a character's identity. It's the protective persona that we take on. So uh, I've, I have clients struggling with that repeatedly, which is what would it really mean to be a writer that rather than this is something I dream of. Uh, I have a client who said it would mean everything to me 
to be able to do this, you know? Mm. Well, she, it can keep meaning everything to her as long as she doesn't ever complete, it, complete the, the, the project, complete the script or complete the novel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have to like be willing to give up that identity of dreaming to be a writer, which is, you know, a really, uh, it's a, it's a, there's some rewards, you know, to the dreaming of being a writer place. Oh, um, yeah, there's know. rewards. There's huge rewards because then you can just always keep living in your imagination, which is what storytellers like to do anyway, and uh, thinking about the life you're going to live or wouldn't it be great if and so on. Yeah. But fortunately, it hasn't been so crippling for me that I haven't been able to do what I've done. And in other areas, it doesn't hit me. But writing is sort of its own animal, even for me who help, who help you know, has helped hundreds of other people deal with it. It's just tough. Writing is hard. There's yeah. just no two ways about it. Mm -hmm. Writing well is hard. Yeah, yeah. I worked with a voice teacher up in L.A. named Stephen Memel, um, and he he's a amazing voice coach. Has worked with lots of people that are famous and things like that. And we had, you know, I'd go in for like two hour sessions, and and sometimes we'd spend an hour just talking about about this stuff and the psychology of singing and everything. And he noticed that I was really, um, I really enjoyed helping people. I really enjoyed the, the, the coaching aspect of it. And he said, you know, um, I love being, a, I love being a coach. I love doing this, but he said, be, just be careful, you know, be careful that this is a choice you make to go into this, not something that starts to take over your life. And then, it, it, you know, you might look back and go, I maybe I really wanted to, be more of an artist or maybe I didn't want to get into the, the helping people field as much. And, 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 you know, it turns out in a lot of ways I did want to get into that field and I am and him as well. But I thought that was really interesting when he said that, you know, because it's, it's easy to, to make helping other people do their art, um, a primary focus and, and not always, that's the, that's not always the choice we make consciously. Um, what has been your experience with that so far? I mean, clearly that you've made a, a, a profession out of helping other screenwriters. Uh, for a long time uh, in my career, that was always gnawing at me. Always the idea, well, am I doing this just because I'm afraid of actually being a screenwriter myself, really putting everything on the line and doing that? And that bothered me for a long time. And a lot of times early in my career, before I got established, people would say, well, why should we listen to you? Not so much clients, but, you know, people writing columns or something like that. Why should we listen to you if you haven't done the very thing you're teaching to? teaching us to do mm. and I would always have an answer and that is being good at something and coaching someone well at something are not the same activity mm -hmm. finally though I reached a point where I realized no I don't think that was the case I think this is really my calling mm -hmm. uh, is to is to it's more than just helping people it's being able to be involved in a multitude of stories um, at any given time. It's really helping uh, people realize their vision, but also contributing to getting better movies on the screen or big or small or better novels published or, and, and getting to um, work and sort of discover what's going on with someone who is a client and we dig into the story and how it's reflective of that, which goes beyond just sort of helping them. It's more about helping the story. And I finally came to the conclusion that that's really 
what I'm here to do. That is what I'm meant to do. Mm-hmm. And I get so much joy out of it that it doesn't bother me anymore because when I realistically think about, well, if day in and day out, if I were writing my own script, would that bring me an equal amount of pleasure? And in my case, I don't think it would. Today's show is sponsored by Stride Health. And I want to take a minute to answer a common question about how this company works. The question is, what does it involve to switch healthcare to Stride come November 1st? So this is for people that already have health insurance. And actually, this was something I did because I had health insurance uh, already and I switched over to Stride. So um, it takes 60 seconds. You basically, you enter your information and they'll spit out an answer and Stride will show you your best plan for next year. Now, again, they save people on average $400 a year because they they actually know all the fine print and they pick the best plan for you. Um, it only takes a minute and you get to compare Stride's recommended plan to your current plan. Switching plans means you need to cancel your existing health plan and their member experience team will tell you exactly how to cancel your old plan and they'll actually help you do it. The whole process should take five minutes of your life and it can save you $400. It's a no-brainer. Uh, I really recommend it. Again, I did it for myself and it was great. And and honestly, their member support team is fantastic. I've never, really, their customer service is just the best. So for more on Stride Health, uh, visit stridehealth.com slash darken the page and you can check out a photo of me and some more quotes about this company. And now back to the show. How do you deliver feedback to writers who may um, may not be so open about it? Or, you know, how do you deliver feedback to writers that has them still feel good about it, um, but it's still helpful so they don't, they don't get defensive? Because you deliver a lot of feedback. I think there are a few things. The, the first key is to realize that your job is not so much to make them feel good about what they've written as to make them feel good about themselves. Hmm. And that's the problem. What you want to do is, what I always want to do is deliver an honest evaluation of what they've done and not shade my reaction thinking, oh, I hope this doesn't hurt their feelings because that's not really doing my job Mm -hmm. is set the bar at a mediocre level just because I think that's all they can handle. At the same time, if I just you know, plow ahead with a lot of negative comments, um, or sometimes not even that negative, but just plow into a lot of weaknesses I find or, or suggestions and so on, that can just crush a writer because when you write, you are putting some of your soul out there on the page mm-hmm. and, uh, and you are sort of, it's lying there naked and you are very vulnerable. So I don't want to do that either. And what I've found over the years or over the decades, the number one tool I use that counteracts that is I ask a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. And when I have a new client, and sometimes even a client I've worked with a few times, uh, or we've had a few sessions, I invariably begin the session just by asking questions. Sometimes a a session that will go two to two and a half hours, there's at least a half hour of me asking them questions to begin with because 
first of all, it's necessary so that I can really get a clear picture of what they want this to be, what their vision is for the movie they've written or the novel they've written or that they have in mind. Otherwise, I'm just weighing in with my vision of their story. Mm -hmm. But also, I find that when I ask questions, the writer starts to realize a few things. One is that I've actually read their work because the questions I ask make it clear that I didn't just give it a, a superficial, you know, skimming mm -hmm. and start weighing in with opinions. And also, it's a way to get them thinking about their own story without ever making an evaluation of it, just to lead them to places where they're thinking uh, about the character or about the story or about the structure or even about its commerciality and so on. And so very often, a writer will reach a point where they say, gee, you know, I really need to pay more attention to that. It won't always be that exact dialogue, mm -hmm. but they'll think that way. Well, now I haven't, I haven't criticized them at all. I've just been asking things and pointing out things to think about so that they can get to the point where they realize, wait a minute, there's a gap between what I put on the page and what I want this movie to be or what I want this novel to be or what I want this speech to be or this marketing campaign or whoever it is that I'm working with. Mm -hmm. And I find that uh, after we get past those questions, what the writer will realize in almost every case is I'm on their side. And, uh, and that sometimes I've had the situation where I've been brought into a project by a producer. And so the meeting will have the producer and maybe the director and the writer. We're all sitting around a table and the writer didn't ask for me to be there. And sometimes if the producer's kind of lame, <laughs> then mm -hmm. they won't even tell the writer that I'm going to be there. And so I can tell right away the writer is thinking, oh, God, here's another guy who's going to attack my script. Mm -hmm. He's going to start telling me to do things and, you know, so on. And usually within about 10 minutes, the writer realizes that I've the, I'm the best friend they've got in the room because I'm always there to support the writer. I'm always there thinking, this is the person who's going to have to do all these things you're expecting them to do. And if you just sort of lay waste to their um, um, soul and lay waste to their creativity and just start making demands, you're not going to get what you want. Mm -hmm. uh, it's also not a very humane way to behave. And so, generally speaking, by the end of the meeting, when we leave, the writers say, God, I'm sure glad you were there. Because, and, and I've had a similar situations where sometimes I go in and you can tell the writer is just shell-shocked because this is maybe the fifth story meeting they've had. And they've been bombarded by so many opinions from so many different people that they're just sort of numb and they don't know what to do. And this is another way that the, that the questions become helpful because then it's not one more person saying this works, this doesn't, or why don't you make your hero a football star? <laughs> because a movie about a football star just made some money and these ridiculous suggestions that yeah. producers sometimes make. And instead, it's let's talk about what you've got here. Let's talk about what you want it to be. Let's talk about what you're really trying to say. Let's talk about these characters in depth. And now we are exploring their creation, not attacking them. And the thing I would say, too, to everyone listening, anyone of you who belong to, say, 
a writer's group or any kind of professional group where you have a support system like that, but writer's groups are, are sort of typical for this, where everyone is sharing opinions about each other's work and you're joining the group and going to the meetings so you can get feedback, mm -hmm. is an excellent way to give and ask for feedback. And if the writer's group establish that as, as a parameter, rather than have, I think it should be this, and then the next person says, I think it should be that, it's somebody says, here's something I wanted to ask. Here's something I think we should talk about. What were you going for here? What does this mean? I don't quite get this character. Mm -hmm. And it's all in the form of tell us more about what you have in mind as the writer about this and let's start exploring it rather than change A to B because that's just not helpful. And especially in writers groups where some of the people in the group may not really know anything much about story and they're mm -hmm. giving bad advice. That can be really detrimental on many levels. But questions and open discussion about what's really going on in the script I think is almost always helpful. Yeah, that's great advice. Um, you know, I, I've experienced something similar in, in coaching and working with people, whether, you know, whatever it's about. And um, and really, I, I mean, I think what you said about just having it be a question, you know, you you really can't go wrong if it's a real genuine, if it's a question coming from genuine curiosity. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, you can't disguise negative comment and disguise it as a question. You can't say, "Well, you, what makes you think this script is any good?" That's not a good yeah. question. To yeah, leave it's not there. a good question. Yeah, uh, say, you know, tell me. A, 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 one question I like oftentimes to lead with is to take a character, oftentimes not the hero of the story or the protagonist, and say, "I'd like to ask you about this character. Do you like this person?" And I say, I don't mean do you think it's a well-drawn character. I mean, if this person existed in real life, would you like them? Would you hang out with them? Would you want them to be your friend? What is it about them you would like? And if nothing else, it gets them talking and it gets them away from the expectation, and that is that I'm going to lay in with a lot of negative criticism or suggestions about their script. Mm -hmm. uh, but also, it's, it's a good starting point because it can get to ideas about, well, is the audience going to empathize with this character as they need to? Is it somebody we really want to spend two hours with if we're watching a movie or more if we're reading a novel and so on? Um, so I have another question. Um, if you could write yourself a note and send it back to your younger self when you, you started out, um, whatever you consider starting out is. Um, what advice would you give yourself as you started this whole operation? Well, the first thing, although it's pretty broad, is just be more courageous, be more outgoing, be more uh, forceful in going after what you really want and not so worried about what other people might think or, or, or how it might look or things like that. And probably also... When you know what it is you love, really focus on that and stay fully committed to that uh, and not meander around with other possibilities and other ideas and other activities and so on. Because looking back, I feel like, gee, if I had just, if I had the commitment in the first 10 years that I've had in the last 20 to what I know I'm good at and what I'm doing, it, I could have gotten a lot more done. Mm -hmm. 
So that would be another, and um, this sounds kind of lame too, but I think it would also be just just work harder, just work harder, just really go for it and and be a little less lazy at times, or give yourself a few fewer excuses for just um, for going in third gear rather than fourth. Mm-hmm. It's funny, you know. I want to give you a comment about the first one you said. This idea that if, you know, we, I don't know what it is we realize, but what you were speaking to about what you've understood the last 20 years, that the first 10 years it took you a while to get, I really feel like I can relate to that because I'm at, I'm 32 right now and I feel like I'm, I'm actually kind of starting to get what you're talking about this, where when I was in my 20s and I was reflecting on this because my roommate is 22 uh, or one of my roommates and, and we were just talking about this and he's a very enthusiastic entrepreneur you know he's got all these dreams anything is possible and he's like really really excited and and there's also this quality about him that he doesn't have patience and and I get that because when I was pretty much throughout my 20s I didn't have much patience so if I wanted to become a life coach it's like okay and I gave myself a year and then I would like kind of have these expectations that it should have been a certain way and then I give up and then I move on to the next thing. And then it was like, meanwhile, the, there are these little things that we love that we are probably spending a little time with. Like I had always been writing just a little bit, but it wasn't, I wasn't devoting myself to it. And what I realized just really like a few years ago was that if I, if I took something I absolutely loved in, the, in this case, writing and more specifically writing um, articles and filling my blog with great articles, if I kept that up for five years or 10 years, then it's going to be it's it's going to be a success it has to be there's just no you you do something long enough and it's going to work and if it's an area that you actually want to work then that's a good life and i didn't miss that for the first 10 years i think maybe in a similar vein to you but it was it was this franticness and i didn't have any patience and i wasn't really putting the time in doing what i loved because i was trying to do what would be what would work or, or what would what would be successful i think in a certain way Absolutely, that's great, but that's what your twenties are for. Apparently, right? I mean, I, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm realizing. I'm like, well, maybe that's just that's part of the deal, I guess. You know, you're supposed to be impatient when you're in twenties, and and you don't want to be a slug, and you need to try different things, and so on. There's one other thing because you're you're kind of implying this question, but this is there's one thing I think that's been good about my career that I would advise to other people mm-hmm. that wasn't a note I would have to write to myself back then. And that is when you find something you love and are passionate about, don't let anyone or anything talk you out of doing it. Uh, and I, I, a long time ago I was, um, I was uh, teaching school for the Atlanta public school system. I was getting a master's degree at the same time. And when I had that job, uh, the se- it was a two-year program. In the second year, we were actually working as full-time teachers. And I absolutely hated it. I was not good. It was second-grade kids and those poor kids. I was just not good. I'm, I'm really good teaching grown-ups. <laughs> I'm talking about movies, not so much second-graders. But I would actually wake up in the morning with this knot in my stomach. And I, it was one of those things I used up all my sick days and personal leave days before Christmas because I just hated going so much. Mm-hmm. And I stuck it out. 
because I wanted the master's degree and I thought that would be of value. And it was at a certain point when I started teaching screenwriting for UCLA, that made a difference to them. But when that was over, I made a promise to myself, and that is never again am I going to stay in a job where I wake up feeling like I did in this job. Mm-hmm. And I never did. And the one thing I think I've always done is I've always felt like if there's something I'm doing that I think is fun and it's re- and, and I feel satisfied with it or re- rewarded by it, then that's, that's enough. That's worth doing. And everything else will sort of fall into place. And, uh, and that has been true with my career. I've done, I mean, what I do now didn't even exist when I first came to Hollywood, nor would it ever be something that you would paint a picture of, this is a way to make a living or something like that. Mm-hmm. But because I continual or repeatedly chose to do the things that I liked, and if I discovered something I really wasn't liking, I was pretty good at leaving it within a year or less and realizing this isn't for me. And I, I recommend that. I recommend that. And I recommend, again, if you can find your passion, go for it. And any mistakes you make, like you were saying, everything you've done got you to where you are today. Mm-hmm. And if you're happy or satisfied with where you are today, not that you don't have more to do, then that means all those events and all those mistakes and all those setbacks and all those painful experiences, if that's what they were, got you here. And if you find where you are today is not making you happy, then I think the first thing to concentrate on is ask yourself what will and start moving in that direction. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for listening to the show. If you enjoyed this episode and if you've enjoyed this podcast so far, I would love for you to do a few things. One is to go on iTunes and leave us a rating and review. It really, really helps us so when people search for podcasts darken the page will come up sooner the more ratings and reviews it has so really appreciate that if you have any feedback for me you can always reach me at darkenthepage at gmail.com that's an email address you can get me at and I'll, you can see us on facebook uh, facebook.com slash darkenthepage and we post all the new episodes there as well thanks to our sponsor stride health visit stridehealth.com slash darkenthepage And make sure you really do that uh, before the November 1st enrollment period, which is coming up. It's a great deal. Again, I'm super happy with my experience so far being a customer of Stride Health. Tune in next Wednesday for another show. Thanks for listening. And until then, go make great art.